Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Praise the Lord, everybody. Well, the Lord's been talking to me about y'all, some of you, some of you. And uh, when Brother uh, Tim, now you call him Brother Wisnat, but he's my brother, Tim. And he said, I want you to speak to the group, uh, the missionaries and then invited guests and, you know, the people that show up on uh, Saturday, would you talk to them? Soon as I hung up the phone, the Lord said, yeah, I, I want you to talk to them about this. Bang, just like that. Now, it don't always happen like that. Sometimes you have to pray a little bit. But the Lord said, uh, no, I want you to talk to them about this because they're on my radar. They're on my radar. And last night was highly unusual, highly, in a public meeting to have that deep of a move of the Spirit. It's very, very rare. Now, you can get a local church sometimes into that level, and, and you can get a like a women's group or a men's group. But outside of those parameters, it's very rare for that kind of a lingering supernatural unction so don't don't downplay what uh, happened last night and don't get up this morning and say well I don't know if that was God or not well it sure wasn't the devil so you you have to capitalize on those uh, moments of spiritual nirvana there are not a lot of them out there. Most of it's uh, work, hard work. There's some young people here that the Lord told me about you. And you've got God's attention. You've got God's attention. And um, he wants me to talk to you about some things. <clears throat> now, if you're struggling to live for God and you're not really faithful 99% of all services is directed to you but I'm not preaching to you today I, I don't mind if you leave you can come back tonight and you're going to be saved if the rapture don't take place today but I'm not preaching to you that are not living for God you're in and out up and down this sermon is not for you. You would get in trouble. This is beyond your pay grade. No offense. You are what you are. And uh, you're where you're at and living for God. Now you can ask God to give you the spirit of repentance. And get your act together. The Lord's a little irritated with some of you. You've had plenty of time to get your act together and you're still foolish. Wasting opportunities. Now, I'm going to say some things that the Holy Ghost hasn't told me what he's going to tell me to say. So you have to listen. So don't be saying amen. Be quiet. Because I'm not going to have nobody line up and say, now what did you mean by that? What I say, I mean exactly what I say. And if you don't get what I say, the moment is over. you got to be quick in the Holy Ghost right now. Lord, help me to be sensitive to what you're saying to me. Help me to get everything I'm supposed to get and nothing that I'm not supposed to get. 
Go ahead and pray about that. Jesus' name. I'm going to read uh, from Mark chapter 10. Look with me here uh, into verse 35. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Uh, we want you to do what we what we want you to do for us. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant unto us that, is this going in and out? It's like backsliders. Can I get a non-backsliding mic? You're looking at me? Is it going to appear... All right, if it breaks one more time, I want a new one. Don't mess with me. And they said, grant unto us that we may set one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. And Jesus said unto them, ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And they said unto him, we can. How dumb. Jesus said unto them, ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized with all, shall ye be baptized. But to set on my right hand. And on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. So I'm going to preach on this subject. Can you drink the cup? Can you drink the cup? Now I want you to pray the Lord will... Anoint me to speak. I feel the anointing coming on me. I want you to pray I don't get distracted or hindered by anything until I've delivered my soul. Somebody pray for me in Jesus' name. Alamakatalamahashatalamahandahai. <clears throat> may be seated. <clears throat> this passage <clears throat> of scripture is a, a look into um, the underpinnings of God's will among men. And it also shows how grasping men can be about the things of God and how often they are misplaced values. Um, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, <clears throat> were some of the first to follow Jesus. They were spiritually adept at recognizing that Jesus was special. And they followed him almost from the first, unlike um, guys like Simon Peter, who 
was really a year and a half before he really prayed through and sold out to living for God. Um, <clears throat> they were there almost from the beginning. And they sensed not only that Jesus was special and that there was some shift in the world happening, that this was an opportunity for them <clears throat> to live a life of consequence way above their given station in the world. And uh, they come from a good family. Zebedee was a good man. He had a good wife. They were all um, quick to recognize opportunity. In this text, <clears throat> it said... Uh, James and John came to Jesus. But Matthew said the mother came to Jesus. The idea is that the scripture purports it was a family trait. All of them wanted advancement, not on a bad scale, <clears throat> on a good scale. They wanted to be the followers of Jesus, rightly so. But at the same time, really didn't know what they was talking about. And they came to the Lord and they said, we, we want to be the big dogs. We want to be the ones that you depend on. Your right hand and your left hand. We want to set with you in glory. We want to reign with you. And uh, the Lord never said, now you guys are out of order. He never said that. He never said, well, I think that you're just too aggressive and you are asking for things that you are not qualified for. Now, here's the first thing the Lord told me about y'all. He said, this group is really, really talking to me about being used by me in the gifts of the Spirit and in powerful demonstration in ministry. He said, I'll show them to you as you preach. And he said, they've really been on my case. He said, and I like it. The Lord likes you, kind of. He puts up with us. But the Lord likes aggressive people. The Lord likes it when people get aggressive in prayer and in fasting and in consecration. The Lord likes it. The only way to live for God is with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your might. You can say amen a little bit. The, the ones of you that are not succeeding in living for God. It's because you don't do it with all your heart. If you live for God, now you ought to be writing this stuff down because it's, it's gold. This is stuff to live by. This is not no little five and dime sermon. The only way to live for God successfully is hard. You live for God hard. You, you know why, Brother Tim, I might preach about you a little bit today. You know why Brother Tim is successful in doing this, in pastoring two churches, in running half the world, in bringing people from all over the world? I don't know of anybody that does that. Anybody else that does brings as many guests and gives money and, and is so generous and is so successful and is so captivating that we all sit there with our mouth kind of open even when he's just fooling around. He's got such a magnetism about him and he's got such a giving spirit about him. You have no idea the price that he has paid to have what he has. You, if God showed you the cup that you would have to drink to be Tim Wisnett, 
you would run screaming away from it. But here's a good thing. Since he's your spiritual father in the work of God, you're going to pick up inherently some of his traits and some of his anointings. It comes right on through your calling and his calling. Well, you can say amen. Are y'all ready for me to stop? Can I just preach like this? Because I don't feel, I don't feel like yelling, but I might. I get so tired of preachers that yell from the get-go. They just yell. I preach it today. Well, do you have to yell about it? Anyhow, I used to yell more. But after 46 years, my yeller is getting tired. So anyhow, the Lord is not angry with you about spiritual aggressiveness. The kingdom of heaven, the Bible says, suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew 11 and 12. The amplified version says this, and from the days, notice the beginning, that hasn't always been this way. God changed the way he was going to move among men. He said, from the days of John the Baptist unto the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. The prize is a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought for with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. God likes now, when we talk about violence, we're not talking about physical violence where you punch somebody. But you want to punch them. And you want to punch that bad spirit that gets on people. But our weapons are not carnal. It's, it's in the spirit realm. And when good people get bad spirits, you can't go punch the good person. But you're going to want to. You're going to slap them upside the head and say, you got to do better than that. People will wear you out. I feel some of you right now. You're wearing me out right now. And God's going to get you. He's not, he's not going to kill you, but he's going to break your neck. Put you in a neck brace and slow you down a little bit. Going to control that willful spirit of yours. Hukabahashatahaya. Have you ever heard somebody talk in tongues after saying God's going to break your neck? He's got a sense of humor, I'm telling you. Ah. There is leaders in this room who God is going to do great things through. You have pressed your way you have pressed your way into the inner sanctum. And there's this step you've got to take. But before you take that step, I'm going to try to talk you out of taking that step. Number one, God's not desperate. God doesn't need you. He is not sitting around, biting his fingernail, hoping you get your act together. God is not frantic. How are we going to reach the world? He never did come to reach the world. He come to save the world. But he calls out of darkness into his marvelous light those who the gospel and revelation have come to. You're never going to save everybody. Not everybody in this room is going to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Even in this small group here. Some of you are going to miss God and go slap to hell.
And you're going to think about this day. You're going to think about those sermons that you didn't. No, I'm not preaching to you. Sorry. I'm not preaching to you today. You better start repenting right now, but do it quietly. You are fixing to mess up your whole life. That's all I'm going to say to you today. I am talking to people that's been praying. I'm talking to people that's been fasting. I'm talking to people that's been dreaming about being used by God. I want to be used by God. I want to be anointed in the Holy Ghost. I want to be the best that God has ever had. And I'm going to tell you, God likes that. Oh, when I started preaching, I said, God, if you're calling me to preach, don't you make me boring because there are absolutely too many boring preachers in the world. And I have grown up here in boring preaching all my life. And if I'm going to be a preacher, I want to be the best preacher that's ever walked in shoe leather. I want to preach sermons that people don't forget. I want to shake heaven and shake hell. If you're going to be in the kingdom, why not be the best? If you're going to be in the kingdom, why not have the great anointing? Why not have the most powerful demonstration of God? And you don't get that without a little wildness about you. A little... Other people get that way about the Cowboys and the 49ers. They don't do that for me. Cowboys are the perennial heartbreakers. 49ers, I've never liked those suckers anyhow. See, now don't, yeah, yeah. It's almost you shouted this whole conference. Just kidding. But I like it when people get that way about God. And God likes it when people get that way about him. Where you just say, ah! I want to be used by the Holy Ghost. I want to be used by God. have got God's attention. But he's not desperate. I don't want you to think he's trying to make a deal with you because of you. You have picked up on this how to get God's attention. A lot of it has something to do with Brother Wisnet. He knows how to get God's attention. And he has the gift of faith. This young man has the gift of faith. He had it when he was a boy. I've seen him speak it. And it become reality. This church has seen that. Churches. Churches. One church. Whatever. And everything that he speaks is eventually going to come to pass. He's got the gift of faith. And it's compelling and it's powerful and it's unnerving. And other people get jealous of him and they make fun of him because he's easy to make fun of because he's a redneck. And he's, you know, there's that part of him that's just like a, uh, it's a wreck. But there's a part of this book, man, sorry, you know what I mean. This young man that God has favored. He is a favored man. When he walks, the ground trembles. When he speaks, heaven listens and hell cringes. And some of you have seen that and you've seen God move on him and other great men of God. If you're going to be a man of God, be a great man of God. Be a powerful man of God.
I want it. I want it. I want it more than the world. I want it more than a cigarette. I want it more than money. I want it more than acceptance. I want to be accepted in the beloved. I want God's will in my life. The Lord told me, he said, I want you to tell them, I'm not desperate. And you are blessed to be at this point. You're one step away from God possessing you. And some of the greatest ministries from now till Jesus comes is in this room right here. Because God takes the unlikely. God don't take what the world de determines as successful. He takes, he takes people that other people just say, well, but they are a volcano of desire. But God's not desperate. Don't you ever forget that. So. You need to. Uh, you need to know what you're getting into. When. James and John came to the Lord. They said we want to be. In the inner circle. We want to be. Whatever you're doing, we want to be there. Right there. Boom, boom, boom. I want to say this. If you're going to be great, you've got to get tight with the man of God. You've got to get on his right hand. You've got to get on his left hand. You've got to be counted on. Before you're the prophet, you are an apprentice. And you've got to pour water on the hands of the man of God. You have to be his spigot. Well, not now because we have spigots. But you have to become indispensable to the man of God that he can count on you without worrying that you will betray him or fail him. And if you betray the man of God, you will never be used in God's kingdom. No one does this on their own. No one cuts their own trail. You follow after the prophet until God puts a mantle on you and then God will give you your own trail. Sit down. And people's going to look at you and say, I can't believe you're sucking up to that preacher. They're idiots. They are pigs with diamonds in their nose. If you can't take that, just leave. You got to make up your mind who your pastor is. You got to ride the road with him. Oh, I am in the Holy Ghost. And you've got to be loyal. If you're not loyal, they're not going to be loyal to you. If you don't serve your prophet with honor and respect and vivaciousness and enthusiasm. What's that guy's up there in the back? Yeah. I see the church you're going to build. I see the group of young men that will follow you. You've had your chance to get mad at Brother Wisnet because I'm telling you he's easy to get mad at. But you have refused. And you have faithfully served him. And what you're doing for him, God's going to do for you.
There are people that's been dogging their pastor. You've been dogging him, following him, trying to figure out what you can do for him. I've had people do that. They follow me and, and they, they see what I do before church and how I do. And I'm a OCD and I fix things. And I'm so glad all the lights are on in this church because it would hinder me. But, but they, they, they go out of their way and straighten up this here and fix this here and clean this here and organize this here until the man of God doesn't have to deal with all that stuff. Do you want the prophet to be mowing the lawn? Really? I mean, come on. Wouldn't you rather him be praying for you? Wouldn't you rather him be in the glory cloud preparing to lead you in the work of the kingdom of God than mowing the lawn? You need to mow the lawn. You need to straighten up the church. You need to clean the bathrooms like what somebody said. I clean the bathrooms. I cleaned the church. I mowed the lawn. And I did it speaking in tongues. And I did it worshiping and praising God. I sure did. I knew I wouldn't always do it, but I gladly did it. You're not always going to mow lawns. You're not always going to. But you start out doing that. Sit down. Now, second thing I want to tell you is uh, you don't know what you're getting into. You have no idea. And the Lord told me, he said, if you can talk them out of it, Now, why would I want to do that? I'm going to tell you why. Because it's a long road. And it's a deep cup. And it's a hard baptism. And if you are going to fail God 15 years from now, and you're going to quit when people trust you and call you pastor and have confidence in you, then we need to abort this ministry today because nobody's counting on you today. You know, Brother Tim was praying when nobody counted on him to pray. Nobody cared if he prayed or not. I mean, we cared, but you know. Where's Tim? Well, he's praying. He was praying when other boys were playing. And he was an athlete. Oh, Lord. He didn't have a lot of wisdom. And he was such an athlete. He could, he'd come to the plate. Now, we had a big church in Texarkana, and there were some ball players there. At least they thought they was. And he'd come and stand at the home plate and flip his bat. And he'd say, who wants it? Who wants it? And everybody was like. And he'd say, okay, I'm going to hit it right over there. Get over there. See if you can catch it. And then he'd do what he said. And then laugh at him. And come trot in and then flip over home plate. <laughs> I'm telling you, those boys hated him. But he was that good. He had three letters from professional ball teams. Trying to recruit him. But as good as he was at sports, 
you would find him praying. You would find him seeking God. Same with Todd Johnson. Same with uh, Sean Griffiths. All of them that are doing anything prayed when nobody was watching. Now, hundreds of people are watching. If he fails now, he will do more damage to the kingdom of God than he's done for the kingdom of God. So you are going to be mightily used of God. But if you can't, I keep hearing a little deal. Is that, that's translation. Okay. Who's translating? Really? Yeah? That's cool. Are they saying it right? You never know about those translators. I thought that, you know, preaching overseas and I, and they go, and you, in the back of your mind thinks, did they just talk about McDonald or what? Where was I at? Prayer life. So I am going to try to talk you out of this because you have no idea how this cup is. But if I can't talk you out of it, then God's going to give you your desire. And he is going to put you into the ministry. You are at the line you feel that? Your ministry is fixing to multiply tenfold. Tenfold by this here. All this investment that you've been making, God's going to give you uh, bountiful returns. Brother Exum, a man that has 10 men that has his heart. He don't have to do a whole lot. He don't. Because now he who was one has become 10. And with, without moving hardly at all, a lot is accomplished because Men now think as the man of God thinks. And they move according to the spirit. And so your ministry becomes slower. Where at first we did everything. Now we do not as much, but more is accomplished. Does that make sense? So the Lord's going to give you tenfold just in this next year. And you're going to see things that you've dreamed about start coming to pass in the people that you pastor. They're getting it. Tim, they're getting what you got. They're getting that. They're getting that call. They're getting that touch. And they're going to be powerful. <laughs> Sit down. You're funny the way you clap. You're like, I don't know if I should clap or not. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not trying to be spooky and I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just telling you, it's a cup that you have to drink. 
And it's a long drought. It's a baptism that you've got to go through. And it's a deep and heavy baptism. Brother, Brother Brian, uh, Kenzie, Brother Kenzie said last night, he said, God, this pressure, this pressure, can you relieve the pressure? And you heard what he said, if I, if I take my hand off of you, then you'll lose the pressure. And he said, oh God, don't take your hand off of me. I had a man in the church, he said, God, I want, I want you to give me my pastor's burden. Let me carry his burden. He's a good man. He's a good man. Faithful man. He told the church this. I didn't know what happened. He told the church, he said, I said, God, just let me carry his burden for a while. And the Lord said, don't ask for something you can't handle. And he said, but Lord, I want to be a blessing to my pastor. Let me carry his burden. And the, the you know who it was? It was Mike Wisnett. And Mike Wisnett said, the Lord said, all right, here it is. And it knocked him to the ground. Flat on his back. And he lost his breath and he, he said it felt like a thousand pounds had crawled on top of him. He said, God, I'm dying. The Lord said, you're not dying. You asked for his burden." He said, I can't deal. Take it away. And I will pray for him. You don't even know what's in this cup. There is so much pressure. There is so much angst. There is so much loneliness. When God uses you the way he's going to use you, you are a little bit weird. And you freak people out. Like I'm freaking you out right now. Don't mess with me. Is this a dead spot? God's not here? This life this life has moments of glorious unction I have seen moves of God that blow my mind and there's other people that are sitting on the sidelines and they go I don't think all that's necessary Some of you have tried to share touches of God you've had and people spit on your pearls. And you pick them up and you say, I'm not going to share that no more. There is a loneliness. There's a loneliness that goes with the cup. When you get a chance, the next time you see a great man of God, try to look him in the eye. Look deep into his eyes. You get a chance, try to look in Brother Wheeler's eyes. You, you will see in those eyes weariness, loneliness, hurts that are forgiven 
but they still hurt. Burden bearing. God doesn't use people. He breaks them. He breaks them. When Tim left and he was preaching, he was doing so good, I sent him up to Washington. And he went to churches that hadn't had a move of God in decades. And he turned churches on their ear. Preachers called my dad, who was up there as a pastor. They said, he's got everybody. In, he's, he's doing things I've never seen. Dad said, what's he doing? He said, well, the other night, everybody in the church got slayed in the spirit. He said, we all lay around moaning and groaning. All 25 of us. Dad said, was it real? Did he knock anybody over? Did he do a Benny Hinn on them? I said, oh no, 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 no. This ain't no fake. This guy's got a cattle prod of a, of a Holy Ghost power about him. Said, then lay down and moan and groan and enjoy it. There's not a lot of moaning and groaning and, and enjoying it. So when the devil couldn't stop him, he tried to kill him. He broke this body. You remember that guy? That guy that I told you that could... He was so athletic. He was so... His body, his ability. He's the kind of guy that could stand right here and flip. I hate guys like the devil tried to kill him. Tried to kill him. Broke nearly every bone in his body. He lay in a hospital bed for weeks watching people on the other bed die. He got accepted into Parkland Hospital not because they thought they could save his life. They just wanted to study his case and perform surgeries upon him that they didn't even know if they'd work. And the sucker wouldn't die. And he wouldn't get bitter. And he was in a wheelchair. I couldn't even look at him. I was remembering the Tim before, and this broken husk of a young man. And he just wouldn't stop. And he came to church in his wheelchair. And he just struggled and he got things on his feet and he would try to walk and it would cut him in his ankles and he's bleeding in his shoes and his socks. And he was just a skeleton. But he kept his spirit right. And there was a service where God touched him and he got out of that wheelchair and here he is today he's preaching the gospel and he's loving God the devil can't kill him can't do it he tried to You couldn't take, you couldn't take that cup out of his hand. You couldn't pry that cup out of his hand. It's a cup of suffering. It's a cup of sorrow. It's a cup of being misunderstood. Old brother McLean used to come by me at Texas camp meeting. And he'd look at me. And he'd say, Nathan. You're not like them. He never to tell me who them was. There's a thousand preachers in that district, so I don't know. No, I knew who was. He said, you're not like them. And I would go, okay. He said, don't, don't try to be like them. He said, you're different. There's an anointing on you. There's a power of God on you. Yeah. 
And he'd say, I'm going to lay my hands on you right now. And if there's any devils in you, I'm going to shake them out of you. You know what I did? I was pastoring a church. I, I was one of the men in the district. Did you, you think? I said, oh, no, no, brother, McLean. Oh, no. When the prophet started laying on hands, preachers were drawn like magnets to him. Like new converts wanting the touch of God. And we would raise our hands and he would put his hands upon us. And later on we would wake up. You don't get a ministry like that cheap. You don't get used of God like that cheap. You want to build a church in Morgan Hill, huh? You do. Well, let me tell you something. There's a devil in Morgan Hill that wrecked a church. And you're not going to build a church until you fight that devil. I got to be careful. I don't want to scare your kids. I drove through Morgan Hill the other day and I heard him growl like a lion. He growled like a lion. And I thought, ah, he's irritating. Every time you preach to your family, every time you get up and have church, you're not playing church. The devil said you're playing church, hadn't he? Say you're just playing church. Don't really count. Nothing's really happening. Every time you preach with the anointing and you pray and you seek God, it's it's like a nail driven through the heart of that devil. Yes. Yes. He's seeing if you're serious. He owns Morgan Hill. And who are you to think that you can come in there and take that city from him? But I'm telling you, you're gonna take that city from him. You're going to take that spirit. And you listen to me. You ain't like them. You ain't like them that those guys don't you dare act like them you're special and you're my boy and God's got his hand on you and you where's your boy at is he here okay God's got his hand on him too hmm. but you gotta drink the cup you gotta be baptized with the baptism but I prophesy to you you have what it takes. You are called of God. You are anointed of God. When that devil shows up, you rebuke him in Jesus' name. You talk him down to his face. One night I was praying in Texarkana and I was walking back and forth in my office and uh, I had thin windows, long skinny windows on either end of it. And I was praying like this. And I turned around and there was a man standing in the office with red eyes and he was silhouetted. And uh, I turned around and I looked at him and uh, he said, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to wreck this church. He said, who do you think you are? And I'm telling you, I was freaked right out. I was freaked out. And the voice of God spoke to me and said, I'm the man of God for this city. And the Lord said, take a step toward him. And I took a step toward him. And I said, God, not so close. He said, I've wrecked it. I've, I own this church. This is my church. Nobody's going to take this city from me. The Lord said, take another step. And I said, really? But I took a step. And, and that man looked at me. And he said, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to kill your family. And I'm going to wreck your ministry. You better leave. I said, hey, dummy. I've been trying to leave for six months. The Lord said, take another step. And I said, but God won't let me leave because I'm going to kick your mm, chamahanda head.
I walked that devil out that wall. I walked all the way up to that window and I watched him stand on the outside until finally he turned around and went away. There's a cup that you've got to drink. There's a baptism that you've got to be baptized with if you're going to play in the big leagues. This is holy ground. This is holy ground today. <clears throat> this is holy ground. Can I talk you out of it? Now, you don't know how it's going to turn out. James and John, they never got set on the right end and the left end. God gave that to Peter and Paul. You don't know how this is going to turn out. You surrender to God. And God does what he wants to do with you. I was talking to a man last night. I'm trying to... This man right here. He said, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do the dirt work. He said, that's okay. I don't need the spotlight. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And he said, I'm going to put a spotlight on you. You have no idea that revival that's going to happen when you get there. God's been preparing you for 30 years. And he's going to do a quick work through you and your wife and your boys. Those your boys? Yeah. That's looking at Peter and Paul. You know what? They don't even resent going. God's going to use you guys. You want God to use you? Really? You're not acting like it. God don't need you. But the finger of God is on your forehead right now. You feel that? <laughs> I kind of feel sorry for him. Kind of. But it's the best life in the whole world. We've been able to preach for 50 years. Build great churches. God gave us good wives, didn't he? Yeah. The best thing ever happened to you is your wife. She orders your private world. She is so important to you. And Addie is so important to you. You go off and you do great exploits, but you always come home to your wife and your girl. You gotta marry right. You gotta marry the right woman. You gotta marry the right man. Because if you marry a carnal man and you marry an idiot woman, they will wreck your ministry before it ever gets started. They gotta be sold out like you are sold out. I'm a, I'm not even a good Christian compared to my wife. My wife's a better Christian than me. She gets up every morning at six o'clock. I can't even roll over at six o'clock. And she goes in there and she prays and she reads her Bible. Every day that woman walked with God. She is priceless. My dad said right before he died, he said, Nathan, you remember when I told you years ago that uh, Rhonda was 97% of your ministry? I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, well, I, I'm, I'm not long for this old world. And I want to revise the numbers. 
I said, well, it's about time. He said, she's 99.9% of your ministry. That's how important. That's how important who you marry and, and your mate. And God, God don't have to have you. If you can't, if you can't marry the right person, you don't have enough sense to be in the ministry. And I want to tell you, you don't have much sense anyhow. So who can help you? Your pastor? He said, well, I don't want him to control my life. How bad do you want to be used by God? Who are you going to trust? Taylor Swift? Who are you going to follow? Donald Trump? You find a man of God, you get in his hip pocket. And you go everywhere he goes. And you do everything he says. And maybe, just maybe, he may drop a mantle one of these days. And when you pick it up, you will be the prophet. Where that will happen, I don't know. But it will happen. But if you can't handle this, I don't want you to get involved in it. See, right now, nobody is counting on you. I'm not saying you're stupid or nothing. But nobody, you know, you're just boys. But in 10 years from now, you'll have a wife that counts on you. You'll have kids that count on you. You'll have people that believe in you. And in the middle of that, if you quit, you will do more damage to God's kingdom. There is leaders here. There's leaders here. There's leaders here. Powerful saints. You don't have to be a preacher to be powerful. God's renewed your ministry. Hadn't he? God's given you a fire that you thought was gone and, and it was over. And you've got that fire back. I saw, I saw when you were strumming the guitar. Was that you up there strumming the guitar? I saw fire in your fingers. God's not near done with you. I, I, you know, there's something big. we're going to do. I don't want to have to explain this to everybody. But this right here is special. And this right here is holy ground. Now you take your shoes off before you walk down here. You don't have to come. Ron, help me play a little something. I don't want no singers, just Rhonda. You take your shoes off. Because today this ain't carpet. This is holy ground. And you come down here and you say, I'm in. And you can do with me. You can spin me. I, I'd like to talk you out of it. I'd like to talk you out of it. You sure I can't? Can you drink this cup? Can you drink this cup? Don't you and you ever feel guilty about your shortcomings again? You guys are towers in God's kingdom. Yes. Yes. You're yes. towers. Every time, every time I come here, I see y'all before I even get to the city. You're like towers. And you're supposed to be here. Don't let anybody talk you out of this place. This is where you are. And this is where God wants you. Quit feeling guilty. Quit feeling guilty. 
Quit feeling guilty. You're a great lady of God. Mm. You wear the mark of the Holy Ghost. Ah. asking you to come. I am not asking you. In fact, I'm saying it's lunchtime. Don't come down here and not expect to drink the cup. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.